Hello, and welcome to Seafood Matters Podcast, the voice of the UK seafood industry. I'm your host, Jim Cowie, and in this episode, I am talking with Jimmy Buchan from Amity Fish Company. Jimmy and I go back many, many years. He is a tremendous ambassador for the fishing. We will be chatting about the way forward for the seafood industry. Jim, it's a pleasure to, to do a, a podcast with you. Me and you have been friends for, for a number of years now, and we share, share a similar vision and, and passion and, and enthusiasm for the industry. So Jimmy has, uh, was, as we probably all know, was a skipper for many, many years. But uh, in the last few years, I have ch- taken a, a wee meander in my career path. Uh, a bit like a footballer, you know that you've got a limited uh, playing time. So going to see in your 60s, some guys still doing it, but I was preparing for the, let's say, the autumn of my career. And, and, and therefore, I always had this vision and passion to, to become a seafood supplier because we've got some of the finest seafood being landed in and around our coastal communities. And for as much as we, we are, are, are in my past tense, would have chased the bounty to get the maximum return on that, which uh, a lot of times meant chasing an international market. I just feel that there's so much more that we can do for the UK market. 70 million people in the United Kingdom, we, we didn't need a big share of that to be able to, to, to utilize a lot more uh, locally landed seafood across the UK and, and, and Therefore, it's a win-win for everyone. So I hope I haven't been too long-winded in my opening gun, but, but that's, that's the vision. Jimmy, thank you for that. I'll tell you what I found more most interesting, and I'll do two things here. First of all, I'll pass regards, because I had a podcast just an hour ago with somebody that's passing his regards to yourself. And my goodness, how how like the words are. He's almost repeated the same thing. You're on opposite sides of the country, but exactly, you know, he was saying about how the UK market should be it's untapped. And that's Adrian Bartlett. He said he was, he was speaking to you a couple of weeks ago at the exhibition. So yes, I, I mean yes, I know Adrian well. I've I've shared a stand with him when we did a a, a showcase in Sandringham a few years ago. He's a wonderful guy, and you're right. We we both share a similar viewpoint on on the UK market, uh, and possibly part of the part of the problem in the UK market is we haven't we haven't done the marketing as well as we should have. If you think about it, the United Kingdom, an island nation, surrounded by the richest fishing grounds possibly in the world, and we take all this wonderful seafood and we export it, when in fact we could be doing much more for the UK market and, 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 and the visitors that come to the UK. I mean, what a wonderful showcase it would be that we got all these people coming from all over the world who want to, especially for me up in Scotland, where they want to come and see our whiskey trail, they want to play our golf courses, they want to, they want to learn their history. 
uh, and, and we've got this fantastic product and and we, I just don't think we give it our best. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some hotels and, and chefs that actually do promote and promote well the seafood, but I, th- I think in generality, I think we could be doing much, much more than, than we are. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, but it, it's funny because you quoted the number of the population in the UK, and that's exactly what Adrian did. So it, <laughs> Yeah, it's great to see like-minded, uh, especially with the uh, and and like your like him like yourself, Jimmy. You're I know it's I know we've spoken about this before, and uh, I think it's so important. It's almost parts we need to we need to build on it, but it's like the industry taking control, uh, which it which should possibly should have it all all the time it's never too late guys like you with so much experience and knowledge and uh, marketing marketing the pro- the, be- the product I, th- I think and it's it can, I was asked a question today Jan if I were in government what would I implement and and just using my my, my experience and what I see is I mean, government spends a lot of money in things, but sometimes I feel that the, the, the money, I'm not saying it's wasted. That's wrong to say that because can genuinely these people are trying their best. But I just think we should have a much more concentrated effort. And in, in, in the, in the marketing starts with our tomorrow's children. Children of today will be the parents of tomorrow, the grandparents of the next day after that. And, and I just feel that we should do much more that there are clear health benefits in, in eating in quality protein. It is one of the last seafoods that, that man has been able to interfere with 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 the growing or the harvesting of, of the seafood. It is wild caught. It's in its natural habitat. And and the one thing that fishermen have done is really been able to adapt to more sustainable uh, practices. And, and starting to provide for their own future and, and, and not overfishing, fishing within the biological science and, and being able to, to, to go year on year back to the same fishing grounds and still be able to harvest in, 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 in key areas, seasonality, you've got a lot to do with it. And, and absolutely, I must say that no two years are the same. What happened last year might not happen the year after, but it might a few years later. So I just think, <laughs> I've drifted a wee bit, but I think can really focus on the, the food security. It is one of the most important things that we've probably learned in the last few, few, few years. That the first and most important thing is to make sure there is good, healthy food provided for the nation. And by gum, we've got it. But we need, to, we need and we should do a bit more. And I think governments have been a bit blasé because they, I know that they, they like the idea of exporting. And that's kind of, kind of exporting means more money coming into the, to the United Kingdom. But I just think it's such a natural resource and, and there's so much more we should and could be doing with it. Couldn't agree more, and let me tell you, Jimmy. There's no need to apologise for strain because to me, you've never missed, you've never left the point. I often say to people, 
to me, season, seasonality is the key to sustainability. If we eat everything in season, we're healthier and the fish stocks are healthier. I think, Jim, there's a, there's a, it's a, a very, very valid point, and it, it doesn't just stay with, with seafood, although that's primarily our focus today. But, I mean, when we start to eat things that are out of season, kind uh, of a typical example is strawberries at Christmas week. That is, can, that is not natural, and, and, and therefore we're interfering with... with we're not interfering is wrong, but we're, we're forcing things on that, that are not in their natural habitat. I mean, there's no question about it. Eating a strawberry in the month of July and August is no comparison to eating a, what looks like a strawberry in, in December. And I, I know people are trying to provide a service, but I think we need to understand that seasonality can is there. And it is Mother Nature that is guiding our, our way through through, through the seasons, and not two seasons will be the same. But for, for us in seafood, can, there are times that we do need to be able to be a bit more uh, aware of what is landed and what we could actually utilize in our, in our own markets. And Jan, probably you see it no more better than yourselves up, up in the north coast there, where our big trawlers go out into the deep water at this time of year and, and fish for, for blue ling and, and, and things that pretty much unheard of, yet they're in abundance can, within, within striking distance of, of the north and the northwest of Scotland. And I just think it, it's these type of things that if, if our, our European counterparts see value in that seafood, then why don't we? What, what are we missing? Why are we not utilising the, 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 the great seafood that our own waters can provide? That couldn't agree with you more, Jimmy, and exactly as you say, eh, I get so many people just now when I'm going round the tables in the restaurant telling me that they'd never heard of this fish, never heard of that fish. My menu over the last few weeks with the bigger boats been coming at the scrubs, the redfish, blueling, tusk, scabbard, grenadier, and people love, people love trying them. And so, so, uh, but I, I, I just ask sometimes, what's the, the, our, you know, the agencies that are supposed supposedly promoting our industry and our product? What are they doing when the when the general public? I've never heard of them, and, and I, that's why I feel we we as an industry like you. Adrian Bartlett and people like that, we've got to take the up, pick up the cudgels and market it. Well, yeah, yeah I agree wholeheartedly, Jim, but I think one of the things that, that probably do hold us back is, as we all know, that where we had a local fishmonger long ago, by and large, across across the cities and towns of the, of the UK, these fishmongers have all gone and they've been absorbed into bigger entities called supermarkets. And and I, I will put my hands up, I am also a victim of supermarkets because I go there myself and shop because of the convenience. The problem with the, the supermarket is it is then under the auspices of a regime called a, a, a buyer. And that buyer is trying to appeal to many different uh, mouths and tastes and variety 
and 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 therefore the, and also uh, probably more, more importantly is price so we are competing with with far can an array of farm seafood but also uh, more exotic seafood coming from other parts of the world and and therefore it's difficult to get space on that counter with our own products but i i think with with sitting down and, and willing minds i believe that 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 opportunity or at least we, we could try and change that direction no it, it's not a thing that will happen overnight this needs to be a cultural change behavioral change and and and, and you've just got to, to, to believe that that we can be, if if you keep repeating things and putting it there and and educating the people then they will slowly come around to the idea of changing the habit but it's one of those things I mean, listen i'm not i'm not an expert marketeer i only i i shop with my own vision my own eyes and i, I look at things and i know what's available and and sometimes you get a bit disheartened and you think well can, why could we not have more of our own produce available to the consumers there's 70 million people that i keep speaking about with these i spoke about exotic save new blue limb grenadier black halibut to me, they're all exotics. They're not your everyday mainstream seafood, but we've got them. But we don't, we don't have the ability to display them and market them as openly as I think we could do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no joking with you, Jimmy. If you took a grenadier, I, I put a couple of photos on Instagram last week. If you took the, you see the fish, and the, the headline on my post was. You can't judge a book by looking at the cover because it's not the nicest looking creature, the grenadier. And then I put one, a photo of it filleted and I smoked it and the photo of the dish. And I guarantee you with the grenadier smoked, if it was, if you were blindfolded and a test tasting, you couldn't tell the difference from a haddock. See, that's, that's amazing. I just think that in itself is, is a great marketing story because there are, I think there are a, a lot of people out there, the foodies as I would call them, and there's young people as well. They're, they're not always the, the, the more middle-aged and, and elderly of the nation, but young people now are interested in where their seafood comes from. And I think, can the story behind that, can quote caught in Scottish waters, and 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 again on the edge, can the marketing? I could do it myself. I remember John Buchan and Trollerman. Where are you going tomorrow, John? We're going to the edge. With the hairs in the back of my neck, were standing in it. Where's the edge? The only thing I ever knew was the devil's hole. But so it's it, <laughs> people are curious, and I think there's I think well, I would like to see more more done in in, in that respect. But again, it's very it's very difficult because you've got different associations and different governmental bodies with different agendas, and probably one of the biggest thing it constrains them of all is can you you can't market this because you would be giving someone a, a, a platform to promote a particular species or a, or a fishery when in fact can it's we we should be speaking as one instead of 
of being tied and constrained by folk who could say, if us what's in season this month, well, let's promote it. It's a bit like asparagus when it comes in season, Jack. Can you, you didn't hold back promoting your asparagus because the sprouts will be ready in December. It's a seasonal product. Let's can let the nation know about it and let the nation be able to access it. Totally, totally. But the only thing I would pull you up on there, Jimmy, I don't think you were just 100% accurate, because you were talking about John O.V. going to the edge. It's not the first time I've been, I've had uh, somebody in the restaurant when they've had grilled langoustine sent to me, did Jimmy Buchan catch them in the devil's hole? (laughs) (laughs) That was absolutely, I still say, that program and the few others like it, they have been fantastic for the industry. You would be staggered if you, the amount of people, customers, uh, on a small uh, restaurant, a uh, remote restaurant, who re- looked at every episode. Yeah. I mean, again, that was a great... And, and that was the marketing side of me coming out uh, when the BBC came to Peter Head and said they wanted to make a documentary about fishermen. A lot of my friends and colleagues who said, oh, can, don't get involved in that. They can, it'll flag up maybe any... Can, they're not looking the best interests of the industry. And all that I could see, Jim, was we could bring our industry into the living rooms of millions of people absolutely free. And, and I just thought, what an opportunity. But we had to guide the producers and the executive uh, that were making the program. And again, and I, I think between us all, what they made was, a, was by and large, 90% a true reflection of a fisherman's life when he's on the hunt. The highs, the lows, the harvesting, the days of bad weather, just, just how it all, and, and a bit of humor, uh, humor as well, because it is very much part of our daily life. So that was a, was a, was a great program. Uh, and, and I think... It did give people an eye-opener to what goes on and, and just how, again, you can't give away all your trade secrets, Jim, but I mean, by and large, it was a, a, a good reflection of, of what we do and, 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 and why we do it. It was fantastic, Jimmy, and honestly, it was so good for the industry. There's so, it's so many people still talk about it, that, you know, and that Jimmy Buchan in the Devil's Hole is the two... <laughs> That's the one that sticks out more than Well, Jim, it's quite funny you should say that because I, I, I like to think I'm maybe an acting unassuming guy, but all my, my, the girls that work with me always says, Jim, Jimmy, your, your, your biggest selling point is Jim, your name and your face. And, and the, the king, had, to a degree, called me the, the, the Bernard Matthews of the seafood industry. Yeah? Bernard Matthews was, was famous for turkeys, and they're saying you're going to be famous for, for seafood. Yeah. But probably I do underestimate of how big an impact that had on a lot of people. And yet to this day, can people will still associate me with being the taller man, uh, or can being on, on that program and, and all you, you always, I remember you, you you're the prom guy you're the guy who catches the, the palms in the devil's hole so it, it did make an impact and, and 
I suppose for me that's that is probably job done because if it had that kind of lasting effect on people's lives, then obviously they did watch it, they did enjoy it, and and I suppose for me that's where can I'm trying to build the Amity brand, which is on the back of can look I did that that was. 2006, 2007, we're 13, 14, 15 years down the line, but, and, and I've moved on, and I want to showcase this fish that we were catching is now available, not in Europe or in the rest of the world, but here in, in the UK and in particular in Scotland. Jimmy, the only one thing I'm not agreeing with you there, I'm sorry, how on earth anybody could liken you to Bernard Matthews. <laughs> Bernard, Bernard Matthews, to me, is about mass-produced, processed, reformed, tur turkey twizzlers, for example. And you're talking about taking the pristine, best in the world out and selling it for its goodness and for what it is and as it is. There's no comparison, I'm sorry. Well, I probably don't, I, I agree with you about the Twizzlers and the reformed. You, you, you've got a very valid point, point there, there, Jim, but I think it was the marketing aspect that I was, I was, I was trying to highlight on, but, but no, I mean, I mean, you're absolutely right. How lucky are we geographically to be positioned where we're at? And, and yeah, it's not just one species. Again, if you if you look at our local inshore coastal communities, where we've got brown crab, we've got lobster in abundance. You go a wee bit off further offshore, and you can you've you've got uh, your, your langoustines, and then and then the, the range of white fish can monks megrams. With the, the, the species we've just spoken about. And then you go into your pelagic, we've got the mackerel and the herring. I'm, I'm led to believe, Jim, as we speak, the herring boats are now out searching for the first of the herring season magis. And that can, again, very seasonal, but what a fantastic product, product it is. And, and, and the good that we can, we can, the nutrition that we can get out of this. Are these species is unbelievable. It's right here on the doorstep for us all to access. We just need to make it a wee bit more available to to, to the to, to the discerning shopper that's looking for something different. I mean, as I say, when herring and mackerel are in season, it's a wonderful fish, and I'm sure you've got some great recipes that that you'll be conjuring up as as the herring season comes on on stream, Jim. I class them, I, I put my category for herring and mackerel and a lot of other fish as well. In in modern terms, superfood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's just, it's an oily fish. We know that the science tells us that we should be eating at least two portions of a fish a week and, and one of them should be a, an oily fish. Well, again, here we've got the herring coming on season. I, I just can't wait. For me, the first of the herring season, uh, just just done simply in oatmeal or uh, Irene will, can do some roll mops with them or just beautiful and, and then just can just full of oil and just, oh, I'm licking my lips even thinking about it, Jim. You know, Jimmy, 
funny you should say that. A cousin of mine, a bit older than me, he just yesterday he was phoning me and telling me he had some of I I salt herring when they're in season, obviously when they're just at the right point. Here it's about August September when their rose just before it spawns and he was telling me that he he said that he was just licking his fingers after his words he says when he finished them he was licking his fingers now okay to me i still see that as the the beauty of fish like that that is still seasonal because it was it was dealt with when they were in season and then salt so it's not going away we it's not a problem on emissions with freezers and things like that. It's just in salt and kept kept keeps for not a year, but it's close to. It's a long so, time. I, I think I think there's a lot we could do if we, if we look back back at our own heritage and 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 probably can in those days, Jan, our, our forefathers. Can, it was survival. There, there was not the the, the goods and, and range of products that, that we as 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 can people enjoy nowadays. But can they had some fantastic recipes. They had they had a can they, they ate well and they ate healthy because they were able to, to eat from the land and the sea and and in particular in our in our focus and field. And as I say, the, the seafood that we, that we have on our shores is just, it's second to none. But it, I just think we, we as a, I keep harping, we need to do more with our children. We need to educate them on, on what's, where fish comes from. I did hear a story that can, children can, didn't fully understand where fish came from, how it became a... Uh, how we got to their plate, and that, can you, you think? Well, that's impossible. We all know that fish grows in the sea, and we we, we process and cut them and can sell them. But you only know things if you know things, and the only way you know things is is if you're learned. And therefore, I think we've we've got can a, a challenge in our hands to make sure that all of our, our future nation has the accessibility to to. To source and eat good seafood, because if you think about it, probably anywhere in the UK, you're probably never more than seventy miles from the coast or the coastline, and can uh, therefore the, the the sheer scale of of what is in and around us is an abundance. Yeah, absolutely. And you've talked about your Amity days in the Devil's Hole, and. What's uh, tell us about Am Amity fish? The Amity fish was always. I always knew that. Can I, I didn't have any funds coming behind me, and I always knew at some point I would have to to retire from fishing, which can I had a great career in. But uh, I, I'm not the retiring type. I, I, I'm I'm not the type to come home and sit down and. Can get out of gardener's potting shed. That was not me. I, I love being in the industry, and therefore I always had this vision and enthusiasm to to start a supply company. I didn't necessarily want to go into to be a processor 
and, and be singled into one particular out of just a few products. My vision was always to use my knowledge to align with the, with the many producers and be able to provide a, a shopping basket of seafood, whether it be shellfish, whether it be whitefish, whether it be a pelagic species. So it was about bringing together a, a quite wide and ranging a trade list of products that, that was accessible to me within them. 50 miles of, of where we locate and be able to send that across the UK. So that, that was, the, that was the, the thinking. It was build a brand, become known for being a seafood supplier. Jim, we all know, well, we have said we all know now, but none of us knew that COVID was coming down, down the road. And overnight, we lost most of our uh, customers. In fact, we lost all of our customers. Um, orders that was already in the booking, I think it was on the 29th of March 2020, no, 2019, just lost overnight, gone, uh, when, when we went into lockdown. I think that was 2020 from memory, yes. And, and therefore, uh, we, can we, we had new orders and we had to think very quickly on our feet. Obviously, we knew that we could do some home deliveries, but I had been tinkering around with internet sales, but it was it was never really coming to any fruition because I wasn't probably putting in the effort that it needed. But within again, within a couple of days, we had to reinvent the wheel, and that wheel was we had a product. There was customers there looking for seafood. Supermarkets and restaurants was closed, and people had a hankering to eat quality seafood. And, and we immediately turned the business on its heel and went full scale into UK delivery and local delivery by van. And again, it was a huge learning curve. We made many mistakes, but it kept the lights on. And the most important thing, Jim, is when business was closing down, we were scaling up. We were taking on people. We went from four people to eight. Uh, and we were able to, to keep the business uh, viable and moving and now it is part is probably 25% of our of our continuation of business growth. So although we're out the back of the pandemic and, and we're getting back into a, a more normal, a new normal if we want to call it that, people are, are, are now beginning to understand that seafood can be sent direct to their home. It doesn't come in a wet dripping box. We've, we've used a lot of innovation, a lot of clever ideas for, for the packing of and, and sending of frozen products and fresh products is now a, a, a viable business entity. And, and, and therefore, that's where we see our growth is by 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 word of mouth, retention of customers, and of course, searching and hunting for, for new customers. So as, as we, we grow out of the pandemic, eh, we see that the businesses have come back on stream and it's good to see them up and running again. But it's also eh, part of our growth strategy is to concentrate on online home delivery and expand that range of seafood that we can we can procure and, and send to our to our customers who are looking for 
products that are at a reasonable family budget price, as well as high-end uh, special uh, products like lobsters, langoustines, scallops, the, the, the high-end stuff that finds its way to the EU market. We know that there is a huge market in the UK. We just need to go and find them. Do you feel that uh, government-funded uh, bodies could be doing more uh, marketing our products? Jamal, yeah, well, I've, I've always said that I think the, 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 the government, to a degree, I think could do more. Now, also, I think industry has also got to agree that you can't ask the government to put its hand in its pocket all the time. We do pay a levy system to see fish, uh, and can, it's, it's up for debate. I'm certainly not going to debate, debate it here. But is, can, do we get value for money? And that, can, everyone has many different people have got many different views on that. And, and that was, I think, what the reference I made to that there are certain things that certain government bodies cannot do because it is not allowed to. And, and that's where the whole thing begins to break down. Uh, as I say, I, I think our Scottish product is under-marketed and I would like more to be done across the UK. But can, again, that's maybe a debate for another day. I'm, I'm not here to to miscall any of these organisations or, or, or clangos or government-funded bodies, but are they delivering what is really needed? Because what I do here on, on the ground is the, the, the people who are paying the levies are, don't think they're getting value for money, but others do. So it depends what it is you're looking for and can, what, what it delivers for you. Yeah. I have to agree with you on your earlier point that your team told you your one of your strong points because every time I see Jimmy Buchan uh, advertising your his wares, there's always a big shiny grin and a lovely big smile, and I you know I just do believe the world loves a winner. <laughs> and well. Jim, it's quite funny because I was doing a questionnaire today about can, what drives me on and can, what, what's the first thing I do in the morning. And you may find this funny, <laughs> and the listeners may even find it funnier, but every day I wake up, I just think it's a privilege to, to, to be alive because I'm going to wait to get up and go to my work. And that is maybe one of, I'll tell you where that has maybe started to, to, to take more importance was during lockdown, when most of the United Kingdom was in lockdown and couldn't go to work. I had the privilege that because I was a food supplier, I was privileged that I had a delegation that I could go to work. And it was at that point I began to appreciate that I could get up every morning a smile on my face, get a cup of tea over a cup of tea over my throat, and go to work and and find and source food to send to to people all over the United Kingdom. And I just think that that in itself puts a smile on my face because it is a. Jim, <laughs> I'm not old, 
but and we're getting all of us are getting older, and I just think it's great to be able to get up every day and go to work because there will come a day that that won't happen, and and can and that's happened to to many people. So I, I to a degree, I feel it's a privilege. Yeah, no, that's absolutely for sure. I mean, one of the things that I, I often uh, an old friend of mine once said it to me, and I and back in the seventies. And I think just think it's almost what we've been saying here. He reckons fish then, he says, never mind the supermarket shelves. He says, there should be in health food shops. That's where they should be selling fish, health food shops. Well, I think uh, <laughs> I was it funny going along to some health food, food shop just to, 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 to buy my seafood. But, but no, you're right. I, th- I think, look, Jack. Look, look at the general demographic of people, myself included. Probably, I don't know the stats, but I think the stats would scare us if we really looked at them, how generally people are overweight. Now, that has come because of our lifestyles that we have chosen and the choice that has been offered to us across society uh, as, again, as general public. I mean, all these things that are full of sugars and full of fats and but if you take a simple piece of fish that has not been touched a fillet of fish you will not get a healthier piece of protein that man has not had interfered in the food chain wild caught taken ashore filleted and listen you don't need to add nothing to it. it's not about having fish and chips you could again, you could steam that piece of fish put a wee bit of seasoning on it and that will give you your portion of protein, but it will also keep you healthy. And, and I think this nation, back to the government choices, we are going to continue to put our health service under severe pressure because of health, health choices that people have made because the government have not interfered enough to be able to give people the guidance and, and the opportunity to, to eat more healthily than opposed to processed foods that are very cheap, very accessible, but do they give us the health and the nutrition that we as a nation should be enjoying? I couldn't agree with you more there. And it's, and it's very much up to us to be that way. Absolutely. But, but, but again, I think, Jim, I have learned that it's something that I'm going to come on to in a wee bit, but I have learned that people are scared at fish. It's expensive, and I think the one thing that we do badly, or not we do badly, but a lot of people do badly, is they cook fish for a wee bit more because they're scared that they're going to get a, 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 a tummy upset from it. When in fact, again, if fish is good and it's fresh, you can you could undercook it and, and and it'll be even more edible because you haven't dehydrated it. The worst thing it can do is continue to cook it, dehydrate it, and then then the piece of fish becomes unpalatable. Not unpalatable, but not so enjoyable. Undercooking things, especially in shellfish and and and, and white fish, that is it. You will keep it'll keep hydrated. The flavors will be there. It'll be easy to eat. Uh, so I think there's an education side of things there. But Jim, you may laugh, and I may be coming to you to get some advice and guidance because 
one of the things that I want to do for my marketing strategy is to do simple wee videos to show people how quickly, how easily we can eat quality seafood. So it's something that's in, very much in my radar to do this summer. Probably I should be doing it by now to, to try and encourage people and, and, and take the fear factor away that, that can, the, the fish, the, then I cook it right, or the, the, the miscook it that's going to be spoiled, can keep it simple. If it's good, it doesn't need anything. I was told a long time ago, uh, when, was, when I started the fishing, uh, I, asked the, the, I asked the cook on the boat for tomato sauce to go with my, to go with my fish and chips. And the, the cook turned around in all, all honesty and he says, look, he says, if that fish and chips is good, it doesn't need tomato sauce. And if a fish and chips is not good, it doesn't deserve tomato sauce. So in other words, we be getting tomato sauce. And I think something has stuck with me for, for, for many, many years. So I, th I think, as I say, it's something that I would like to do, Jim. And again, lots of people have done it, but I just think for my own marketing strategy, is again, if we've got specials coming on, maybe it should be the herring. I mean, Jim, a simple one. Take a herring flap, put it in melted butter, put oatmeal on it, put it in the oven for 15 minutes. You will not taste that healthier piece of herring and oatmeal than that. No, that's, that's, how simple was that to tell you? You don't even need a video for that. Not butter, dip your, 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 your herring fillet in the butter, coat it with oatmeal, put it on a baking tray, 200 degrees, 15 minutes, you have got a perfect meal. A nice little patty with that jam doesn't get any simpler. Well, when you think back, one of the big nights of the in the social calendar was a tatty and herring night. <laughs> yeah, and I, that, and I, I'm, I'm old enough, Jim, to remember my, my parents uh, having guests into the house to eat jam. Patties and herring, and it, it was a great thrill if you got a, a herring with a roux in it, and can it, it made for a great, a great event to to have people in the house can share on a bit of can entertainment with one another and over a simple product, a tatty and a herring. I often say to people in the restaurant that there's hundreds of different recipes and ways to you to cook a herring. I says, and I haven't come across a bad one. <laughs> but, but, but equally, Jamie, and that is the most basic of, of, of primary seafood, can up to, to scallops and, and, and lobsters or langoustines and brown crab. These are all fantastic seafood. But you just, it's, it's the knowledge of knowing what to do with it and how to cook it. But again, it, it's not rocket science. It's just having the, not even so much the experience, but if someone can show you, once you've got it, you're running with it. A great thing uh, I often uh, think back on, I met Rick Steen, I was speaking to Rick Steen in Scrabster, and uh, he was doing one of his books going around the different ports of the country, and 
you know, we're just, uh, I thought it was fantastic. He says, you know, Jim, he says, it's not what you do to fish when you're cooking it. He says, the important thing is what you don't do. <laughs> well, that's that's absolute that's absolutely true. If you forget to pretend something, you're in, you're in big trouble. Uh, but no, we, we we are really lucky, Jim. Again, uh, as I said, geographically, we've got some of the finest seafood in the world, and we just need to to, to be a bit more savvy on how we get that message across to it's the inner towns and cities. They're far removed from our glorious coastline that we've got. Most people that live on the coastline probably do have accessibility to good seafood. There's always a local seafood supplier somewhere or the fish one. But when you get to, to the bigger, major cities, they are much harder to penetrate. And it's at that point that the supermarket has more control over what is offered and what they're prepared to take in, and what they're prepared to take a, take a risk on, as opposed to the, can they, they're looking at their, their profitability rather than the seasonality or the education of, of feeding a nation. So again, I think that's where government need to be a bit more stronger. It, it, it's not easy with the power supermarkets have. They ultimately are the customer. And, and they are, they're very difficult to work with, is my understanding. Not, not that I've personally worked with them, but from speaking with other people, they are, they've got a different concept. They do not like the wet fish counter idea. As we know, they've closed, most of the multiples have closed their wet supermarkets in the United Kingdom. Whilst our, our EU cousins are opening up and, and making our wet fish counters more accessible to the public. So different demographics, different nations, different shopping habits. And, and again, that is because we have decided that we don't want skin, we don't want bones. We just want to take it home and put it in the, in, in, in the oven and it comes out ready to eat. I've always said that, that culturally, I, I always said that the, the British see food as fuel. We take it on board and we can, our pace of life is we can, we can't get enough hours done and work in. Whereas our European counterparts see food as an eating experience. It's a family experience. It's, 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 it's a much more leisurely pace. And, and, and therefore, they enjoy the fruits of, of, of fruits of the sea and, and, and on the land. And to me, and but it's maybe just perception, but they've got this much more casual approach to eating food. And I couldn't agree with you more there, Jimmy. And uh, even the words you use, because I very often refer to. Uh, people that a meal time is a fuel stop. I'm bad for doing it myself. Can we should take time out and just in, in, enjoy or can at least can walk away from your desk. But our, our work ethic is can if there's work to be done, roll it again, don't put off for tomorrow what can be done today. But at the same time we should also look after our own health. 
uh, and start to to. But, but again, it's availability. Uh, again, they should we be doing? I don't know we've got fish and chip shops, but can maybe there's something we can because the modern thing now, Jim, is a we call it. Oh, there's a word for it. Jim will come to me. Sorry, I'll have to pass on that one, Jim. We'll have to get yeah, to that bit out. But I mean, there is there are food trends. And, and street food is one one of the things that does seem to be coming up. So it's again, it's being clever on how we take the, take seafood and present it in such a way that it appeals to the young people who are living a different lifestyle uh, in a more mixed cultural kind of society. So can we've got to make sure that food and especially seafood is fashionable. But, Jimmy, do not feel that that's one of the fantastic things about our, the, our this sh- seafood around our shores. It's, it can sit comfortably in a Michelin star restaurant or in a, or in a street food stall. Uh, again, I couldn't agree more, Jim. It's all about how it's presented. And, and, and where it's presented, and you're right. If if it's a five star white linen Michelin star, then can that chef will present that plate it. He will make a, a true eating experience. Down at the other the other end of the spectrum, where can young people with limited budget are still looking for something that's a bit enjoyable. It's it's how that chef puts it together and can present it in such a way he can maybe add a wee bit of value to it so that that person gets a meal out of, of, of a small amount of protein. But it's but, but you're right, it can be the same piece of fish. It just depends how you present it and, and how you how you pull that dish together. And, and never forget, Jim, and you know this more than anyone, we do eat with our eyes. And if we like before we've even tasted it, we are ninety percent of the way there. If we don't like what we see, I think the mind is looking for excuses to reject it before we've even tasted it. So again, presentation is key to to, to the the buy-in of the, the person that you're trying to seduce with that seafood. Yep. You know, you're talking there, you're just reminding me of an item I had on our menu the last couple of weeks. I believe, and I don't mind that saying it because I don't have any problem with it, but little bits in the end of the tail of the fillet and that, I'm not going to throw them away. So I started making wee fish fingers. Not a fish finger as it's reformed and processed but just the like goujon type style pieces and I wasn't just too sure how I was going to put it on the menu and I didn't want it to sound fancy or anything so what I finished up with obviously Captain's Galley the restaurant so what I had on the menu, the menu item read Captain's Fish Fingers and in brackets, not Captain Birdseye. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's, it, it is. People are intrigued. As humans, Jim, we are, 
we are curious people, so we're always we're always looking and, and inquisitive. And 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 if you can write your menu in such a way, because I know that I, I can rest since I visit myself. Half the times I I go for something that, and my, my wife will say that was a bit random. But why was that a bit random? Because the 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 the, the how it was presented, I've written intrigued me and I thought well nothing vented nothing gained it's, so it's all about again, how you present that bit of fish I mean as you know it was just the tail end of, uh, of a piece of fish but you did it in such a way that probably people say oh, I wouldn't mind having a go with that to see how different it is from Mr. Mertz another I mean a, an example of that as well I remember a good friend of mine Alan Craigie he used to have the Creel Restaurant in St. Margaret's Hope in, in Orkney. And I, he's a brilliant chef. I have a lot of respect for his cooking. And, but like like my fish fingers, I remember him saying, Jim, he says, look, he says, we shouldn't be ashamed to put scampi on the menu. He says, because we have the longest in tail, some of the finest in the world, he says we're using our own breadcrumbs, f- clean, fresh oil. He said it's a superb f- fish eh, meal. He says we should never ever feel eh, ashamed to put it on our menus. So, well, Jim, it's, uh, you're ringing good words in, in, in my ears because one of our biggest sellers has been our scampi, and uh, I was. Uh, <sighs> This is where you should always believe in your own story because when I went down this route, people says, "Oh, did I get involved in that? That's been that's all been tried, and it's can it's it's can it's not a good idea." But I wasn't going in to 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 get my scampi done in such a way that I was competing with with any supermarket. What I knew is just exactly what you said. I knew we had a good product, and all you had to do was get a good crumb in it. And be able to bring that to the can the, the people who are looking for for volume. You know, we know we're more expensive, but I keep telling you, it's a single wholetail scampi piece. It's got yeah. we put a panko, put a, a a much richer crumb on it to make it to, to to give it that point of difference. And now we have people can we have got a. a returning customers and many, many fish and chip shops who changed over to our scampi and, and now say they sell more now than ever they did because the customer is having a true eating experience. And it's always part of that. I was just reading in the, in the, in the newspaper and just now, one of the five-star hotels in, in Aberdeen his father, a hotelier, the son is now taking over. It's the Markleff Hotel in Aberdeen. Ross Spence is now taking over from his father. And his father, time and time again, when people leave this, this place, they do not remember the wallpaper or the carpet we had on the floor. They remember the experience they had in the eating and the service they got from the people. And that is the two key elements to making a successful business. And, and if you replicate across to, to what we do, it's exactly what we're trying to do. Provide a good service with a good product and you will get. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's exactly what Alan, you know, as Alan said, these words were. He says, why should we be ashamed to put that on our menus when it's such a good product and with done with the right ingredients? But, but you're also introducing that product to to make it more affordable for families and 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 for for a, for a Again, for a quick lunch or a supper, so it's it's it sometimes fits in with people's busy lifestyles, uh, as opposed to if you are trying to to eat a langoustine, a can a whole langoustine where you got to pull it apart, and it's more can it's more fine dining. It lends itself more to fine dining. Using the scampi tail in this way, I I feel it provides uh, an opportunity for for families to enjoy. Longest as well. Yeah, it reminds me of when my or two boys were younger. They wouldn't come in. They wouldn't go into a restaurant with me because if it were langoustines or lobster or anything, they were embarrassed to the noise I was making sucking the meat. <laughs> the sucking noise coming out of me. <laughs> and, and again, Jim, I think that is very much a, a, a cultural thing because. We have kind of, I think, different people have been brought up different ways, but that is real finger food. That is how you enjoy shellfish. You've got to, you've got to kind of get the bed on and get down, and and because that's the only way that you can enjoy the true flavour of the shellfish that you're eating. Uh, absolutely, hundred percent, and and. Yeah, that is the that is the experience of eating. Whereas we have become more accustomed to can find dining to us as sitting there and can can eating things with with your fork and knife. And I remember visiting Canada many many years ago, where the host learned us how to eat uh, lobster using your knife, and he had some fantastic tricks up his sleeve. And again, it was it was one of those things. Lobster is more for mainstay, so they had mastered to be able to learn people how you could eat lobster just using your knife. And it was, again, they had some fantastic little tricks up their sleeve. And maybe maybe we should be that's the type of things we should be focusing on. So that that might be my mini podcast or my mini video call is kind of how do how do we eat shellfish? How do we take it apart and kind of which and and also show people look can there's meat in the leg of the lobster? Can people just break off the tail, take the tail off, and discard the body? But there's there's, there's a lot of eating in a lobster. You just know where to go and find it. Absolutely, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. If you're adding, if you're what an addition to your product list, uh, along with the your lovely scampi. Don't forget the captain's fish fingers. Captain's fish fingers, and and and, and Jim, I'm going to put it on record here. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to put you on the. I'm going to put you on the spot. I've got this great vision that although we've got this great fish soup called a uh, common skink, and and I will not take it away from anyone. It is a good product. Many different versions of how to make it. I still have this vision of. How do I create a seafood chowder where we can use the 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 the, the, 
the bits that are less can that your bits of fish and some shellfish to make a seafood chowder uh, that can I can maybe market and can reinvent because again we've got some great seafood and, and some of it we need to to use to, to utilize and 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 add value by putting it together to create a soup so. Maybe if you come up, come up with a recipe for me, a Jimmy Buckets food chowder. I can tell you, I never have skink on my menu. I think it's done to death. It's hammered by everybody. It's all. It's either a part and brie or a chowder. Yeah, I just have two options, John and Jim. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, chowders. Wonderful, just absolutely fantastic, and uh, I, I've, I'm, I've got it now. Between a new, you know, there's a famous New England clam chowder, and and a Cullen skink. I would say I'm, a, I'm a, in between both of them. Well, that's good. So it's, again, it's something that that. Like so I'm pretty sure you've, you've got the same weather up in the north coast with us we're in the cold northerlies. I'm putting it down to Jim the guards of me. I don't know what you're calling it up your way, but I'm definitely saying guards of me. Uh, and, 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 a, and a seafood chowder on a day like this would just go down a storm. I knew it would. People are looking for something a week to give a wee bit of a, a lift. Yep. Me the me gobs me gobs that's what they call it up here me gobs. <laughs> well, then, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure as a lot of the listeners will be thinking, "What the earth is that two speaking about?" But pretty much, we get these cold, northerly winds. The second half of me, us can. My my father always said somewhere between the the fifteenth and the twenty fifth. Well, or maybe just a wee bit, a wee bit later. But I. Hopefully, we will see much better weather after the gods and again, we'll have a, a lovely, happy summer. Absolutely. Jimmy, can I ask you a moment for a minute? Uh, how do you feel, you know, you mentioned earlier about this situation we're in just now, the Russian-Ukraine setup, uh, and the effect it's had, we, I mean, I, I, I just can't, you know, with my fish, fish, fishing industry hat on, I I just think the world's going crazy. If we hear in one breath, eh, fish and chip shops in England, UK are having frightened they're having to close, and yet Scottish fishermen have a have a grade of haddock. Especially for them, much chipper haddock. I mean, I just feel can they not just ask Peter phone Peterhead, John Milne and Peterhead or somebody like that, and just ask them for a chipper haddock? Well, yeah, to, to, to be fair, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think our dependency on imported uh, Russian seafood for some of the sectors we've supplied has become again. It's difficult to understand, but there is a bigger, wider picture, and and, and one of them is obviously being been cost. People are driven, can big corporations are driven by cost, and sometimes they they, they speak about the social respo- corporate responsibility doesn't even come into it when they're they're buying in in the millions. 
and they're looking to shave every penny off. So a market has been 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 grown off the back of being supplied from from Russian fish. It probably came to the detriment that our great fish and chips that we that our big fleet at one time provided seafood to was can over as you know decommissioning schemes, lack of high, uh, lack of opportunity through diminished quotas. We ourselves lost our own market. And when that happens, the obvious happens, and that is the market finds somewhere else to be supplied from. So that can, and it made it easy because we were no longer dealing with a, with a product that might be there in abundance one day and not the other. This Russian supply was a 24-7 supply. So the, the, the market funded a new market. But here we are. This is, the, this is the opportunity for us to take back a share of that market. And, and you're right. The fish stock, we know the science is there. The science is telling there's going to be a huge brood of haddock coming through. We have the factories and the people that could actually... We've got the fleet. The fleet is more capable of catching the haddock. The problem we've got is we are... We are it's the same problem that airlines and, and all sorts of industries having is lack of people to produce and supply... Tons of, hundreds of tons of haddock needs boots on the ground. The government right now are fixated that we, we need to automate, but the automation is just not there. And what I keep calling the government out on is you need to give us the transition. This fish is there now. There is an opportunity to gain the market. Back to, right back to where we started, Jim. It's all about marketing. And what we need is the, the different government departments to start realising what is happening geographically with our food supply. And one of that is we've got the fish, we've got the fishermen. The market could be there because if there is uh, sanctions against Russian fish, we do not want to see our fish and chip shops go out of, out of business. And therefore, the bet that we need is the bet that we need the labour to be able to produce the fish day on, day out, whilst the fishing is there. So it, it, it wouldn't, it's not, doesn't take rocket science. It just need, needs to take a wee bit of more joined up thinking. But that's, that's from the layman. It's maybe not just as simple as that. But I do think if we could get access to more labour, then there is an opportunity for the merchant to buy more. And again, he's got to have the demand coming from the consumer. And the consumer on this stage is the fish and chip shop. Yeah. It's an enormous market too. And John, we used to supply it long ago. Back in the, again, in the 60s and the 70s, our, again, as, a, as, a, as a young fisherman, we were, we were taking in boatloads of small haddock and it was all being absorbed into the market. So, so can we, do, we do have in the past eaten this fish, but as I say, when the, the, the fleet started to shrink and there was less available, the supplier just found a new, or the, the consumer, or, or, the, or the, the, the wholesalers just found a new place 
to be able to source that fish. And in this case, it was accessing the Russian fish of Russian origin. We now have got an opportunity, a real opportunity to to at least address this and try and make the necessary change that will have us eating Scottish locally landed haddock. I think you've been very fair, Jimmy, and I'm credit to you, but I would say my view, maybe you wouldn't agree with it, would be slightly different. I would say they ran to the lowest bidder and sold their soul to the devil. <laughs> well, yeah, you're probably right. And, that, and, and to a degree, that's... that's when, when you have managers running things rather than, than people of passion, then they, you're right. They, they, they will sell you out for, for, for a penny a kilo. Because when it gets to volumes, that runs into tens of thousands of pounds. And I, and I do experience that when I'm chasing uh, contracts and I'm trying to bid uh, to, 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 to get fish, Scottish fish, into certain contracts. It is a very, very competitive market. And it does frustrate me, Jim, because they, can, they want MSC, they, they want Scottish, they want all the things that you can give them. But when it comes down to the price, and, and I will say, look, the price is the price because we've got to pay the fishermen and the processor a fair price. We have, we have by, our, by our own ends, have got to give good wages to people who, who risk their life to go and catch the fish. I've done it. And it's not an easy job. So they have to, and they've got to be paid well for that. But equally, the processor and the, and the people who work in the processing factories need to get a decent working need to get a decent working wage as well. So it's really important that everyone in the supply chain can make a shilling. But you're right, a lot of these people would would sell out if they thought they could they, they, they could get a better deal elsewhere. One of the proudest things we did as Amity is we were able to be the seafood supplier for COP twenty six in Glasgow. And that was by getting Scottish landed MSC haddock and, and the people of the many different countries of the world eating that seafood. So it can be done, but there just has to be willing people that understand what they're, what they're dealing with. And, and again, that's, that's what I'm saying. When it gets to big business, Jim, these people are so far removed from the coastal communities that we work and serve that it's just numbers to them. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, I just feel that it's such a opportunity with such a huge market and a, such a wonderful product. And you'll you know you'll see chipper haddock on the but on the on the market, and yet fish and chip shops are saying they're going to have to close. There's some as as you mentioned earlier, joined up thinking. I think there's. Certainly, um, John, I think what, what we've got to change is what people think fish should be. This Scottish haddock is going to come in, going to come in, is traditionally small, it will not grow big. But if, if, if they're really concerned that they want to give a portion weight, then just done two pieces. Yeah. If, if, if it's the fact that they need to, to hit a target weight of 140 grams or 160 grams. 
It's absolutely fine, but just put on two pieces. But people have got to understand that when you're dealing with wild-caught product that doesn't come at a certain size, it can. <laughs> fish is not square. Fish is variable in size and weight. And, and you've got, you've got to, to accept that's what it is. But again, that's down to we have always found solutions to what they say is market demand. Market demand is only there because we give people choice. When you remove some of that choice, the market will still react, but the market will change to what you can offer. That, that's again, that's my, that's that's not a, a professional opinion. It's just an opinion that I feel quite passionate about. If you remove one of the, and I, I see that when we, when we run out of product. People have got their choice. But when that's no longer available on that day, but you can offer them A or B, then they all, we always find a solution. Nine times out of ten, people will, will make a, a, a second choice. And some days they'll come back and say, that was no different from the other. It was a wee bit smaller, but it was still as good. It's just they've got a perception of how they want to present things. But, but in the real world of... Of wild caught fish, it's not always like that. There's very, very a lot of variations that come in. But I, when I hear some fish and chips someone saying they may have to close, I do not accept that. They're not looking very hard for the seafood. And at the end of the day, if they've got to pay out a little more for it, I'm pretty sure that their customers, because it will be a quality seafood, will will find the excess. Few few shillings that it will take to get Scottish Hardik back on the menu. I I hope there's not too many younger people listening to this podcast because they're gonna first thing they're gonna ask their parents is tell me this, mum, what's a shilling? Ah, we've worked hard for the Queen Shilling, Jim. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, as a sort of parting shot, I would love, I would love you to tell us about the success with Amity Fish and the awards you've won because it's brilliant to see that you have. Well, Jim, as you know, we, we were a young company, and and we, the first thing I had to do with the company was was create, I. I, I took some business advice, and the business advice came from Opportunity Northeast, which we are very lucky that Sarian Wood, uh, he provides some of his own wealth to create uh, an industry body that is looking after the, the Northeast in, in, in many different ways. It could be life sciences, it could be food and drink, it could be oil and gas, it could be the arts. He has invested this money, and, and I went to one of these business programs, but the one shot of it was, Jim, that the, everyone said that my story was great. It's had a, a great, a, it was a great opportunity to grow, but I could not grow alone. I had to invest. I had to invest in people because the bigger we get, the more it takes to manage. So the first thing was to put a team together, and that's what I've been doing over the last two to three years. And I've got a young team, three, four of them 
um, young part-time mothers who were all ex-professional people wanted to come back into the world of work but didn't want to go back into their original uh, career paths where they were looking for uh, uh, flexibility to work around school kids and, and children. So I've, I've built that team and, and it is now in the last year that the team said, right, we want to, they, they believe in the story, they love, the, they love growing the company, we need to, to apply for some awards. And, and, and get some street kudos. So that's the, probably the journey we've been on, Jam, and, and of late, we've, we've picked up a, a, a few new uh, awards, and the, the most recent one was the Federation of Small Businesses, where we won our category in Scotland. That automatically put us through to the UK finals. Uh, and only a couple of weeks ago, I went along to the final, and we again won the UK in our category for for digital best digital growth in the UK we won our uh, category but the 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 well the the best accolade of that particular day is that we went on to to lift best UK small business award out of three thousand businesses so for for small uh, Fish supply company from from Peterhead. We went on to lift the Federation of Small Business Awards, uh, UK twenty twenty two, and I just think that was testament not to me. Okay, I had the vision and the ideas, but for the team that is sitting behind me, and and, and it was a huge proud moment. So again, tomorrow, Jim, we're awaiting more awards. Uh, this is for best retail product. And again, I'm putting forward uh, Langestines because I think it is underutilized. We've been shortlisted. How we will know, we'll know tomorrow. But, but I think more importantly is we've got the Northeast of Scotland Food and Drink Awards coming up on the 6th of June, the 9th of June, sorry. And we have been shortlisted for four categories. So I'm thinking we're not winners. We will only know on the night. But even to be shortlisted in four different categories in these awards, I think there's only one other company that has four categories in on, on that night. So the team, I cannot praise enough. Without them, I could have not have done this. Uh, I put in my, again, I've put in my effort and my time as well. But the, I think, Jim, to finish up with, it's a true saying. There is no I in team. And I cannot emphasize that enough to people. Can, the, your biggest asset is your people that, that work with you and drive the business forward because they are the business. And without them, none of this would have been achievable. It's just one wonderful success story, Jimmy. And I can tell you, I feel proud. The fact that I, I know you and I know the setup. So how proud you must feel is beyond the Richter scale. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It's, it's one of those, Jim, I, and I would say to people that's listening and thinking applying for awards, they think, oh, I'll never win that. We went into that saying there's no way that Amity will, will, will win our award, but we'll apply. The experience will be good. And we went on to win our category for, for Scotland. And then, then you're through to the UK finals and you think, well, okay, but and you look at the list and you see, well, there's a lot of good companies in there. We kind of got a hope. 
and I went on to 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 to, to, to lift the, the the big award of that day. So the one thing in life we can be sure of is you can't be sure. But I would say to anyone, give it your best shot. And if nothing else, learn from the experience. And if you're not a winner this time, what do you need to, to improve and how can you improve? And keep working your own business and your, and your own ideas through. And one day you will become a, a winner as well. It's just that you have to believe in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Self-belief and take your team on the journey, Jan. It's not just about you. Uh, and uh, and all of these things that can have been installed into us, I'm now putting into practice. And it is, yes, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, it's quite humbling to see where we have, what we've achieved in such a short time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful, Jimmy, and thank you so much. It's just been a great session and I've loved hearing you and seeing your big smiley face again. Well, Jan, it's I love I love speaking all things fresh and and can I, I hope that the, the the listeners enjoy some of the things we've spoken about and some things they will probably disagree about. But the the one thing that we've got, Jim, is we're we're able to speak freely and we're able to speak it with passion and all of these things are great attributes to becoming ambassadors of the industry. Thank you for listening to Seafood Matters Podcast. You can subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. You can join me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for at Seafood Matters Podcast. If you have any questions or episode suggestions, please email me at jim at seafoodmatterspodcast.com or get in touch through my website, seafoodmatterspodcast.com.